0: next we go to Some Jordans on my feet when I go step to the mic. I cannot name an opposition. I can say that I like, and if you step in my position, you would say that I'm right. I'm like Tyson in the booth, but I don't talk with a list. I see you trying to run your mouth. You look like Stephen A. Smith. I thank God the odds against me, but I'm coming out strong. I survived a heat check, but now I'm back like LeBron. Uh. for tuning in to the 74th episode of barbershop sports talk wherever you are however you may be listening i want to thank you for making me and this show part of your day whether it be via wjcu radio WCET fm radio network on late night in the midlands or soundcloud apple itunes spotify stitcher Whatever avenue you may be listening, I do want to thank you for tuning in. Host Daryl D-Lane, as always. We got a great show today. I'm freaking excited. Oh, my gosh. You know, my roommate told me not to mention his name. I don't think I will out of respect to him, he said. Uh, he, "He, I don't know. I think he's just shy. I asked him to come on the show. He was like, Daryl, Daryl, I can't do it. So I said, you want to know what, buddy? You don't have to come on. But but here's where I want to start off. We're going to have John Elphus on. Uh, as he's covered the Cleveland Cavaliers and the uh, Cleveland Indians, we're going to have him on. going to talk a lot of Major League Baseball with John Alphys. I'm also going to talk a lot of NBA basketball with John Alphys. He went out to Charlotte for NBA All-Star Weekend. and going to get his opinion on that. Also, he's a big baseball guy. Manny Machado has signed with the San Diego Padres. Bryce Harper is still not signed yet. A lot of implications with that. But we will start, as we always do, with what's going on according to me. Daryl. So my name's Daryl. This my other brother Daryl, and that over there, that's my cousin Daryl. So I'm about to tell you what's going on in the world of sports, according to me, Daryl. Daryl Lane. You got it, okay? Thank you, Daryl. And I will start as always, scrolling through Twitter. Yesterday, Jeff Isband made a comment after Zion Williams hurt. His knee after he slid out of his shoe. And this is what Jeff said. What is the argument for Zion Williams playing another college basketball game? And my man's Doug Gottlieb retweeted Jeff. And you know what Doug Gottlieb said? What in the F is the matter with media dudes? Obviously, you never played Uh, you know what? You come to Duke to beat Carolina. Win the ACC, win the ACC tournament, go to the Final Four, win a title. The idea that this all means nothing is gross. Go away. Thank you, Doug Gottlieb. And now I will start with my rant. What is the point of the college experience? Making friends, meeting new people, having new experience. What's the point of playing college basketball? Getting better, improving your game, improving your draft stock. What is the point of playing for Duke, the Duke Blue Devils, North Carolina, the rivalries, national TV, you get to play with star teammates like Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett. What is the point of the D1 college experience? March Madness, the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, the Final Four, the Buzzer Beater Shot. What's my biggest pet peeve in life? Finish what you started. Zion, don't decide not to go to the NBA because you want to preserve your draft stock. You want to know why that's a bull? I want to preserve my draft stock. I'm not going to play because I want to preserve my draft stock. You can get hurt anytime, anywhere. I know people that, I know somebody that tours ACL walking. Yes, that is pretty unathletic, but people do that. Zion, you are a basketball player. Guess what basketball players do? They play pickup basketball. Newsflash, you can get hurt playing pickup basketball, bud. You can get get hurt doing squats in the gym. You can get hurt bench pressing too much. There's a lot of ways you can get hurt. So, Zion, are you going to tell me you're going to do nothing for the next four to five months till July when Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, calls your name and sit on your couch and eat Cheetos? Cheetos? No, that's not what I would want from the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. It's not what I would want. Zion, you're a basketball player. You play basketball. So maybe you should play college basketball. Maybe you should improve your game. Zion, you're not the greatest shooter. Maybe you can still keep working on your shot. Actually, the NCAA just released their top 10 nominees for Defensive Player of the Year. Guess who was on it? Zion Williams. How much of a stock would that be at 6'6 at the power forward position? Zion Williams could win the National Player of the Year and the Defensive Player of the Year and lead his team to a championship. NBA scouts would salivate over that, don't you think so? I do too. If Zion gets hurt, worst case scenario, boo-hoo, he blows out his knee, he has an ACL, I wish injury upon no man, knock on wood. Guess what? Zion, you'll still be the second overall pick, you still might even be the first overall pick. Hell, I bet you won't get out of the top five. Here's another suggestion, medical medicine has improved. Adrian Peterson came back, rushed for over 2,000 yards, 2013, I believe. Had a torn ACL. People come back from torn Achilles. People come back for torn shoulders, torn labrums. Medicine has improved. You will play at Duke. They will get you the best doctors. The best doctors in North Carolina are probably employed by Duke basketball. What the hell? Yeah, you know. Guess what? When you get drafted by the NBA, you'll have the best doctors, the best training staff. You don't have a career-threatening injury. That's BS. Zion Williams, you do not play football. Every play, you don't have to worry about your head being turned into mush. You don't have to worry about potentially your knee can get blown out because you're a running back and get a hit on your knee through a weird angle. Somebody steps on you the wrong way in the pile after you get out from getting tackled. You play college basketball. It's not a physical sport. As a matter of fact... Basketball has reversed itself in terms of his physicality. So no, do not tell me Zion Williams cannot play because of fear of injury. Why do you play the game? You play to win. You play the game because hopefully you love it. And guess what, Zion? If you sit, here's what I would question. Number one, I would question your competitive fervor. How much do you actually love basketball? Second, I would question, is it all about the money? You know, Michael Jordan said, what about the love of the game? What about because you love doing what you do? You want to know what? I want my star athlete, I want the best player on my team to love playing basketball. The role player, he can be in it for the money. That's all I got to say. I'm glad I got that ran off my chest, man. I am excited. I am ready to go today. Super excited. Now, cut up next after the break, we are going to have John Alphas on. He's covered the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Cleveland Indians. Still going to uh, love to have what John has to say. But before that, remember, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Leave a five-star remark. And if you have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. Cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. And i going to have John Alphas for you coming up next. Back with Barbara Sports Star. we have special guests with us, John Altus. How are you doing with us, John?
1: I'm doing good, Gerald. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, John, the first thing I want to talk to you about is it just happened a couple days ago. It's been announced Manny Machado has been signed by the San Diego Padres. I want to know what are your thoughts of the move?
1: Yeah, it's a huge deal. It's actually the biggest free agent signing in the history of the sport. I mean, the contract was hired, but he might contract for a free agent ever, I think it might be a little too much, uh, maybe a bit of an overpay, but i like the move for the Padres. They're the team with the number one farm system in baseball, they have 11 players in the top 100 uh minor league prospects, and you look at a 10-year window, and he does have a five-year opt-out, but when you have a 10-year window with a superstar player like that, add in all these prospects they have, and I, I think they're really a Away from the serious contenders. Uh, and certainly, this is a team that can compete for a playoff spot as soon as 2019. Uh, you look at San Diego, it's not a small market. It's the eighth largest city in the United States. Uh, obviously, a beautiful uh, city to live in. So he's going to enjoy himself in terms of living there. Um, but, you know, I think that East Coast bias, people are, are a little disappointed in this. Oh, why don't you go to Boston? Why don't you go to New York? Uh, you know, and stuff like that. But, I, I like the move. I mean, I think the Padres have a bright future. You look at Fernando Tatis, you look at Luis Urias, uh, and, and then you look at the farm system, you see Mackenzie Gore, and there's all these big names. Obviously, we haven't seen them on a big league field yet, but the potential's there. And, and now that they have a proven superstar, I think that amplifies the value of guys like Eric Hosmer, uh, a guy like Will Myers. Maybe he has a good season. Uh, they have a lot of good pieces here now, and I think... Potters have the right mindset. Maybe they overpaid a bit, but I think the long-term
0: effect of this could be very good. Now, my next question for you is, you mentioned this like kind of the East Coast bias. For a long time, all the way dating back to last year, there was all these links and these reports that Manny Machado to the Yankees, Manny Machado to the Yankees, and it never happened. The Yankees never traded for him, and they never signed with him. How surprised are you that Manny Machado never ended up with the Yankees? Well, the Yankees don't
1: have an immediate need uh, at third base. You know, you look at third base, And I know he has some um, struggles defensively, but he was one of the better hitters, at least among rookies last year. Uh, shortstop, obviously, concerned. D.D. Gregorius had uh, the Tommy John surgery in that position, was kind of up in the air. You know, but they filled that knee with Troy Tulewitz. You know, you don't know what you're going to get out of him, but they kind of filled those holes. And, you know, they looked at the price tag for Machado and how much money he wanted, and I think it just it wasn't a fit there. And I think the Yankees could look at a guy like Nolan Arenado after the 2019 season, uh, a guy who's good friends with D.J. LeMahieu, who they signed earlier this offseason. season. Um, but it, it does all come down to what Machado wants. You know, the Yankees can throw $300 million at him. They can say this. They can do that. But it all comes down to what he wants. And Machado wanted as much guaranteed money as possible for as many years as possible. And from the looks of it, that's what Padres offered. Uh, you know the White Sox had eight-year deal. I think it was like 275 million. It was actually a higher average annual value, uh, and I'm sure the Yankees are somewhere around that too. But the potteries had the best offer and the best package and the best outlook,
0: the best long-term outlook uh, in the eyes of Machado. Now I want to go to the next guy, the the next biggest name that still has been that is now unsigned, the biggest name on the market, Bryce Harper. What's going on with Bryce Harper? When's he going to sign, and where do you think he is going to sign?
1: Stock is signed with the Brewers. Uh, and now Machado is signed with the Padres. And all these dominoes are starting to fall. And now the, the market value of players is starting to really define themselves. And so, you know, Machado got $300 million, And I think based on the numbers, Harper will probably get a bit more than that. Uh, you know, we're talking $310, 325000000 million. Crazy. Uh, this, this kind of money. But. You know, a superstar player for the next eight, 10 years, and, and maybe it is worth it. Um, as far as teams where he can go, I think it's a three-way race right now. You know, it's the Nationals, the Phillies, and the Giants. Uh, who stand out the most? The National's obviously coming back. <clears throat> uh, he's going back to the team, you know, that, that's been really active this offseason. They got Patrick Corbin added to their rotation. Uh, they made a few moves. They added Brian Dozier to that they have Juan Soto and Victor Robles in that outfield. I think going back to Washington is actually the most attractive destination for him. It's is probably a matter of money uh, with them. But of course, the Phillies. I think the Phillies, it's all a matter of, do they want to go for Harper now, or do they want to go for Trout in two years? Obviously, Trout being a big Philly guy, that's a possibility. The Phillies have been active already this offseason. Though They've gotten John Seguira. They've gotten JT Real Muto. Uh, they, they filled a bullpen meet uh, with David Robertson. And, and they've really kind of pulled a lot of holes, and now I think they're probably a playoff contender even without uh, Bryce Harper. So I think the Phillies are in good shape whether they sign him or not, uh, but they're certainly an option. They have the money uh, to go after him on a long-term deal. And then the Giants also have kind of been the mix. I don't see why he would want to go there. The Giants are awful. Their violent system is awful. Uh, there's really nothing there besides money. Um, they do have a new general manager, Zaidi, former guy with the Dodgers,
0: but um, I just don't see why he would want to go there. Now, my, my next question for you is uh, the Yankees uh, just signed uh, Luis Severino uh, to a, like a, I forget the amount of money it is, but it's like a four or five-year contract. Uh, well, what do you think of that move? What do you think about the Yankees you know, giving him an extension and having him on for the foreseeable future?
1: Um, and, and that may seem like a small amount of money, but you have to keep in mind, Severino is arbitration eligible each of the next four years. So rather than go to arbitration each year and make $10, $12 million, mm-hmm. he's just going to sign a, a contract. So that gives him some stability. So if he you know, had Tommy John surgery, he's still under that contract. He's still good. If he were arbitration eligible, he might make a lot less if he has that Tommy John surgery. Or they might... You know, the client is. Um, so basically, it, it gives the team money. You know, and, and the, the arbitration system, um, you know, makes it tough for those younger players. You know, we saw Trevor Bauer make $13 million in arbitration. Um, but basically, for Severino, this locks him up. Uh, he doesn't have to go through that process. Uh, and he's getting, you know, a fairly solid contract. team-friendly contract, but it's also not terrible for the player itself. Uh, and, and then the Phillies did the same thing with Aaron Nola, four years, forty million. I think this is just a
0: matter of I, I see the arbitration process. I don't want to go through it. I'm going to sign a four-year deal, get some stability. So if I'm injured, I'm still getting paid. Now, what would be? Because to me, I, I have some uh, criticisms of uh, Severino. I mean, I, I think he's a really talented pitcher, but in the postseason, I mean, he just hasn't been delivered. Hasn't delivered. Whether it's been the Minnesota. Twins game a couple years ago or even against the Boston Red Sox in the ALDS. Why don't you think Severino's been able to take that next step in the postseason? I think it's secondary control. I think
1: he has a dominant basketball I don't think there's any problem with that. But when he's not controlling it, I don't think he has anything to build off of it. So, you know, Severino throws up for 90s, but when he's not commanding it, that's an issue. Uh, you know, his secondary pitches are, are easy uh, but when he's not commanding the ball, it all kind of just goes to mush. I, I think he's, he's so young. I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. I mean, he's, what, 23, 24 years old. Uh, you know, he's still got some things to refine, some things to fine-tune. Um, I think I think he just needs sharper command, and, and the secondary control is uh, still kind of question mark at times. And, and I remember that Twins game you mentioned a few years ago. He didn't really have the control, he was falling behind the count, guys were taking advantage. You get to the playoffs, it's a whole different game. I mean, look at Corey Kluber. He hasn't been good at all. He's been one of the worst pitchers in postseason history, uh faced at least on the last two years. Um and, and he obviously is one of the best pitchers in baseball history when it comes to the regular season. So the postseason is a whole different game. Um and, and I look at Severino, I think there's just some things he's got to sharpen up, there's things he's getting away with in the regular season that he's not in the postseason. So, we'll see if he can kind of get better with that. Obviously, that contract will help. Give him probably his confidence. Uh, let him relax a bit uh, and just be him. Because when he's commanding
0: the ball, he's one of the best pitchers in the game. I agree with that. Now, John, you were at a NBA All-Star Weekend in Charlotte. What were your thoughts of the whole, uh, the whole weekend? Oh, boy.
1: There was kind of a mix of the Anthony David drama, the comedy, Diallo dunk, and, the, and then kind of the rise to stardom uh, for Giannis. I mean, is, he really uh, establishes something. huge dunk up the Stephen Curry path on the floor. I think there are a lot of different storylines. Um, I think overall was good All Star week. Um, you know, I, I know Dorian won the All Star game MVP and now we're talking about him being potentially the face of the NBA. I don't know about that. Um, I don't know if he has personality to be the face of a league. Um, but Giannis, I think, is really what kind of stood out the most to me. You know, he was a captain. He, had, you know, he has that personality from Greece. You know, you're seeing all these overseas players come in, and I, I believe they're even going to start a league. Um, as they announced during the All-Star week, they're going to have one uh, a league in Africa. Um, and, and start kind of a secondary league like that. And it, it's kind of an exciting time for the game. It's a star-driven league, and that's really what kind of directs all the attention uh, to this particular week. We saw some new faces, Miles Bridges, John Collins, uh, and, of course, Hamadou uh all really kind of participating in that dunk contest. With the three-point contest was uh, an instant classic. Uh, you know, seeing Steph Curry participate in it, and Joe Harris, a former G League alum, Uh, taking down Steph Curry I thought all around he was pretty
0: exciting Um, you know the Anthony Davis drama is kind of a. I think most people are over it at this point Uh, but that was obviously a storyline as well my my next question will be for you Uh, Giannis to me was the best player in that game even though Kevin Durant got uh, MVP because uh, the LeBron's team won obviously But, but here's my question for you how close is Giannis to being the best player in the NBA
1: I believe the Bucks still have the best record, and Giannis has been clearly the best player on that team, so I think he's right now in the running for it. I I don't think he's that far. If if LeBron's still the best or Kevin Durant's still the best, I don't think Giannis is miles and miles behind. I think he's close. Um, Really, the only thing lacking from his game, and he can really do everything, but the only thing that really is concerned is his three-point shot. And I believe he's shooting you know, 25, 30% from there. Not a good number, but he can do everything else. I mean, this is a guy who dunk. He can defend. He can block. He can steal. He can bring the ball up to court. He can play center. He can guard all positions. I mean, the guy's seven foot with an incredible wingspan, and he can, he can go from one end of the court to another in four strides. Like, he's a freak of nature. And he's fun. You know, he's getting stronger. He's from Greece. Uh, you know, he's got three brothers who are all playing basketball professionally. I what's not like about this guy? And I think most importantly, this guy is playing for the Bucks, and he loves it. And he's playing for a small market team. You know, everything that's wrong with the NBA is right with Giannis. I mean, so much we complain about the big markets, guys asking for trades, guys being unhappy, guys being selfish. Giannis is anything but that. Like, the guy loves basketball loves his team, he loves his teammates, he loves Milwaukee, and he's good. I mean, darn good. I mean, it's really exciting. He's so young, and this is a guy who was overlooked in the draft. I think he was being like 16th overall. I thought, I thought what he did this week between the draft with LeBron, the game, uh, and just his presence there. And this is a guy who really could do everything. I think people are really enjoying and enjoying it and kind of watching on to him as well.
0: Now, do you think eventually the next four or five years, as Giannis, enters, as Giannis enters his prime and Giannis, you know, ascends to what we do think will eventually be the best player in the NBA, that he will lead a shift in thinking in the NBA in terms of, you can stay in the small market, you don't have to combine to make super teams, you can stay where you're drafted and have a successful run? Yeah, I think the Bucks are
1: probably a championship caliber team right now. I don't know if they can challenge the Warriors, I don't know if anyone can challenge the Warriors. I think that's the beauty of the NBA quick side note, I think this beauty of the NBA everyone knows the Warriors are going to win the title this year and we're still more excited than ever about it and I think that's a testament to how good it is right now, but yeah, I think the Bucks are certainly capable uh, of making a run and I think that loyalty factor um, kind of does factor in with some players and I think Giannis and, and you look at Brogdon and Middleton, and now they got Miritich uh, Brooke Lopez having a career here
0: the last time he was able to shoot the three. I, I don't ever remember that until this year. Now, you know, my, my next question for you is this with the Boston Celtics. And, and, you know, you covered the Cavs a little bit in Kyrie Irving. So, here's what I would ask you. Would you consider Kyrie Irving a leader? I think so. Um, you know, I mean,
1: look, Kyrie Irving is the top five point guard in the NBA. And I think a lot of the Aspect of uh, on the basketball court it has to do with how you play and you lead by example. Maybe he's not the most vocal leader um, on the court, but you know this is a guy you can coach. You look at this also he coached the U.S. team. I mean, talking about being a leader, he's the coach of the of the U.S. team. Uh, you know, this is a guy who has won a title. This is a guy who's been the best player on a team before. You know, if you remember that first deal with the Cavs, he was the leader. There was no LeBron he was the leader, and then you look at this year with the Celtics, and you know they have had their trials and tribulations, their ups and downs, but he still had a career year. And you know, I think it's—it's it's been kind of a process. I think he's still kind of developing those traits and struggling, and even called the run at one point. But I think overall, he's figuring it out um, and, and becoming a real star in the league. Uh, obviously, he's got the title already. He's got the Rookie of the Year. He got. You know, just about everything. The only thing he doesn't have is really a consistent, healthy body. Um, but other than that, I mean, this guy—he's—he's—he's he's an exciting player. Um, you know, in terms of being a leader, I think that's still kind of developing.
0: Um, but I, I wouldn't say that's a weakness for him at all, right? Well, because, you know, and I kind of compare Kyrie similarly to a guy like Kobe, I guess, in the respect is, You know, they both won championships earlier in their career. Like, Kyrie went it with LeBron. Kobe won it with Shaq. And then, you know, Kobe went through, like, a, a stint when he had, like, Kwame Brown and Smush Parker. And, you know, people had various opinions around Kobe about the league. And then they get Pau Gasol, and everybody says magically, Kobe's a leader. Kobe's this. Kobe's that. So I guess my question about Kyrie is... Do we say he's a leader because he's just really, really good at basketball? You know, he takes initiative in the fourth quarter. He's clutch, which nobody can deny. But is he that guy that gets the young players like a Brown and a Tatum and galvanizes them to be able to make a run? Yeah,
1: I think it's a combination of guys. I mean, you got to keep in mind they still have Al Horford. They still have Gordon Hayward. Uh, they still have Marcus Morris. Marcus Morris No one's talking about Marcus Morris, but he's having a career year too. Marcus Morris. Way the Celtics are still. I I, I think it's it's kind of a group of guys, you know, a group of veterans. Yeah, Kyrie's the best point, eventually he's going to be looked at as a leader. But I think we you look at an NBA locker and Look at what the Celtics have done in previous years. I mean, it's been kind of a by committee leadership group. I mean, the, the the year they were you know so incredible, you know, they had Durant, they had Rondo, they had Pierce. You know, you look at now, they have. So many different guys, you know, Hayward's been playing so well lately. Uh, Al Horford, he's a four-month all-star. Kyrie Irving, I know a lot of teams have a big three now and go by that. Um, and I think when you look at Kyrie's history, that's overshadowed by LeBron. I and mean, LeBron being the quote unquote leader. I think Kyrie's joining a group kind of like the Spurs, where it's like there's not one clear leader. There's not one clear superstar player. I know Kyrie's, Clearly better than the rest of the guys on the team, but they have a lot of good players. I think the Celtics' biggest strength over the rest of the team in the Eastern Conference is their depth. And when you have depth, you have multiple leaders. And I think that's kind of what's
0: Would you still have the Celtics as the favorite in the Eastern Conference?
1: I think the Eastern Conference is kind of up in the air right now. I don't think there's one clear favorite. I think it's probably a four or five team race. Um you know, I, I don't even think the Pacers have ruled themselves out yet. Um, and, and then, of course, um, who am I forgetting here? Bucks, Celtics, Pacers, w Raptors. And, and Raptors, of course. So I, I think it's kind of a, you look at all those teams and how active they
0: were uh, at the training deadline, I think it's kind of a toss-up right now. I don't think one stands
1: out among the rest. If I had to predict one, I'd probably say Raptors. So Marcus o, uh really kind of changes the function of their teams, but you know, the Bucs got Rupertage. 76ers got Tobias there. And, and of course the Pacers, they get way down. And then it, it felt, they felt were too active, but Celtics were one game away from winning the conference last year anyway. And they had that same group coming back. So, not to mention they have Brad Stevens at the helm, so I think it's going to be a wide open race. I think the Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be fun. You're even going to see the Brooklyn Nets in there. Uh, you know that will be fun to watch. And, you know maybe the Pitts and, and maybe a, a team like the Miami Heat with Gordon Dragic entering a free agency here. Um, there's a lot of different teams out there. I think it's kind of wide open right now because you don't have that LeBron James
0: spearheading uh, the conference. Now to go to LeBron James, Los Angeles Lakers. Right, right now they're out of the playoffs. Uh, I think they're going to get back in, but if they do get back in, all likelihood, they will be the eighth seed. And then, sadly, that means they get the Golden State Warriors. And, and to me, I, I think it's kind of a dangerous scenario here because I think for LeBron James, Magic Johnson, Rob Polinka, they want to impress free agents. They want to seem like they're a winning franchise so they can, you know, they can attract people so they can keep this brand, you know, this what, what they're building going. You know, it doesn't look good if you miss the playoffs, and it doesn't necessarily look good if you get swept by the Warriors. Are the Lakers in a lose-lose situation right now? Yeah, I
1: don't even think they make the playoffs. I think the Clippers are uh, better right now. I think the Kings are much better right now. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not impressed. They got blown up by the Hawks. The Hawks are terrible. Uh, you know, LeBron James has been injured. You know, when he's healthy, he's been playing well up the car, but everyone outside of that I don't see anything I mean Ingram's been very bad Bonds of all you know I look at their front court development he's you know has some uh, some moments here and there uh, but overall I mean development Michael Beasley's playing China now like in terms of talent they're not good like they're just not I mean they're giving up 140 points to the Hawks. Uh, <laughs> I look at and they're adding Harrison Barnes, a championship-level player, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heal, all gone, all Like, they're, they, they have legit young players who are willing to play on both ends of the floor. I don't see that on the Lakers. So, you know, I think it's a lose-lose-lose situation. I mean, I, I just don't see them any way where this works out. They couldn't detract Anthony Davis at the deadline. The Blacks can say he wants a player. Rich Paul can say, you know, he wants a player, and they're going to get there fine. but. They can still say what they want, but if I'm a free agent, like why would I want to go there? I mean, there's LeBron, but he's 34 and injured. Um, I, I'm concerned with what's going on in LA right now. They're outside the playoff picture right now.
0: It Doesn't get much easier moving forward. I mean, if they can stay healthy, maybe they do get that eight seed. But know, they have no chance against a team like the Warriors. Oh well, no, I, I think it would be kind of ugly. As a matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's tough. It,
1: it's, it's the Western Conference. We've well, never been to the Western Conference. And, you know, I think they're really feeling it. And they don't feel it. Uh, you know, Who are they playing tomorrow night? I mean, I believe they have a tough matchup right out of the chute. Uh, I think, I want to say it's the Rockets. You know, I want to say they play the Rockets tomorrow night. They're not going to win. You know, why would they beat James Harden and Chris Paul? They're not. They can't compete with that. Um, you know, your starting point guard is shooting... 40% from the free throw line and 38% from the field, and then the back of the Lonzo Ball, you know what numbers are. So it's it's a
0: tough scene right now in LA. Now, John Alphys, I know you're not a big baller, right? You're still not a big baller?
1: Um,
0: I, 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 I need to see more from Lonzo to even think about that. but <laughs> Well, I, I do have to say. Uh, you have to Le- LeVar Ball came on national TV, uh, I believe, last week. I don't know if you did. You listen to any of it? I did. Okay, so you're, you're just, I hope you're as concerned as I am, John. <laughs> yeah, it's,
1: but you well, said that, uh, that the Lakers are better without LeBron, or LeBron isn't, but better, better without LeBron and Russell, Something along the lines of that?
0: Uh, yeah, and also, <laughs> well, the funniest thing to me is uh, Le- LeVar Ball said, who's Magic Johnson? And then Jason Woodlock on Speak for Yourself is like, he's Magic Johnson. You know how many connections Magic Johnson has? And then LeVar is like, I don't give a damn about no Magic Johnson. He can't tell me what to do. And I'm like, LeVar, you called out the coach. You called out the GM. You calling out the owner. It's like, just calm down, buddy. Calm down. Yeah, I think we need to put this in perspective,
1: like, what, what that family's done. And I'm not, this is no opinion. I'm just saying what what it is. I'm just saying straight back there. LeVar Ball was not a, a basketball player. He didn't play professionally for like before points game in college. So he has no, in, in terms of what he can do on the court, he has no credibility. Uh, his son Lonzo, what's his career shooting percentage? 37, 38%? Not 40. So, you know, he's one of the poorest shooters in the NBA. And he's in a position where shooting is more important than the other position. You'll get Lee Angelo ball. He got kicked out of school. You know, he got suspended. And they, they decided to, to leave the team. He pretty much got kicked off. He didn't even get drafted when he declared for the draft. He was the worst shooter in the NBA. The guy who got kicked off the UCLA basketball. He He's not really a thing. And his son is, uh, you know, a decent prospect in Ohio. least the 10th best uh, high school prospect in Ohio. So, there's something that's putting the spotlight on these guys that's not about basketball. And I think it's just way too much for a family that's proven nothing. Um, You know, they're in L.A., they're making money, but they're not playing good basketball. And that's just what the numbers say. So, for him to say that about Magic Johnson, arguably the greatest point guard of all time, for him to say that about LeBron James, arguably the greatest player of all time, it's a bad look. There's nothing good. There's no good looks about this. You know, if Ron Ball were a buddy star in the NBA, sure, let's talk about it. But he's injured on I mean, the 10th best team in the Western Conference. This isn't a story. You know, words don't make a story. Actions do. Um, and, and I think that's kind of been a problem here. I mean, it, I, I don't think it's, they're really worth talking about anymore. You know, the guy was, at, what, the center of trade talk? for Anthony Davis? And no one wanted him. You know, if they did, he would have been traded. You know, if people thought Lonzo Ball was a superstar, they really would have traded for him. They didn't. They've done this last two years. They tried to trade for Paul George. It didn't work. They tried to trade for Kawhi Leonard. It didn't work. Um, you know, and maybe this comes off as a bit harsh, but I haven't seen anything from the Lakers. They haven't been a playoff team in five years. You know, they, the, the last time they were relevant was when Kobe retired. Um, this It's just not exciting you look across the NBA, Julius Randle and D'Angelo Russell have a career years. They're not on the Lakers anymore. So they've made more poor decisions than right decisions. Um, so I, I just don't think they're a story until they're good.
0: With all that you just said, do you think that LeBron James made the wrong decision signing
1: with the Lakers? I mean, I think it depends on his long term vision for the team. If his long term vision was. You know, we can compete in two years, or we can compete in three years. Yeah, I think it's still a decent decision. Um, But you look at him right now, and it's like, I don't even know if I want to be here. Uh, Like, I I, I don't don't want to go inside the mind of LeBron. I don't know what he's thinking. He got his money. He's in a market where he can really uh, expand his brand. Um, You know, it's near Hollywood. He can work with dad. His family's what his family wants. Um, You know, I, I don't know... What other situation would have, you know, made LeBron more effective. You know, I mean I look across the NBA and I don't think LeBron could have joined any team and had a better chance of being the Warriors. Um, you know, and there's some teams that just couldn't afford LeBron James. they didn't have space for the maximum. Um so was it the right decision? I don't know, I think time will probably tell. Uh you know, short sighted the short sighted vision would say, uh, no we didn't. Um but I, I think this season is, you know, obviously only half over. You, as you said, the Lakers can still make the playoff. Um, you know, LeBron's healthy now. He's got the almost star break. Maybe they can turn the page and, and really turn the season around. Uh, you know, it's going to take quite a bit, though. And, and being in that Western Conference, I don't think they're going
0: to really go that far because they just don't have the talent. John, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Of
1: course. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, come up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. I'm going to tell you the truth of why teams struggle in sports. Pretty obvious theory, but I'm going to have to explain it. Come up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. back with barbara sports talk. once again i want to thank john alphas for coming on I always appreciate having john on uh so now here's what i do want to talk about you know like why don't teams succeed in sports uh, sometimes it can be uh you know why why do they fail they underachieve you know you know these teams that just never seem to succeed despite their talent in any sport in and in any walk of life any business why doesn't a business succeed why why don't we see people succeed it's because of dysfunction. I have a couple teams that could come to mind in terms of why they were super talented but didn't achieve the level they should have. Clippers, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Los Angeles Lakers, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson, Richard Sherman, Camp Chancellor, Earl Thomas, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell. Let's start with the Seahawks. Their locker room was full of dysfunction. The, the locker room mutiny, specifically the defense, after Pete Carroll decided to call a pass for Russell Wilson instead of running the ball with Marshawn Lynch. Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas all rebelled. little dysfunction. You know, a little war between the offense and the defense. Sherman's cussing out Russell Wilson. Dysfunctional environment. A team that could have been dynastic by NFL standards is just another team in the record books. They won one Super Bowl, one and done, one and out, one and oh barbecue. Actually, one and one barbecue. Let's call it that. The Los Angeles Clippers, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, a pretty talented team in the Western Conference. There were multiple years where they could have made the Western Conference Finals. But why didn't they? Chris Paul, everybody hates Chris Paul. Nobody likes Blake Griffin. And everybody's like, eh, DeAndre, he's okay. The Los Angeles Lakers, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal could have won multiple championships. Kobe Bryant and Shaq hated each other's guts. Hated each other's guts. And then we get to the Steelers. Now, before I get to the Steelers, all these teams... Clippers, Seahawks, Lakers, all super talented and all won in very different levels, very different stages. But the reason they didn't reach their maximum potential is because the personalities in the locker room, they didn't get along. They didn't like each other. It was dysfunctional. It didn't fit. The pieces didn't fit. No matter how big, no matter how talented, the pieces of the puzzle didn't fix. Now, let's look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. They consistently underachieve thought about this Antonio Brown Ben Roethlisberger Le'Veon Bell they call them the killer bees the three killer bees maybe they're the three stooges if we look at it closely Le'Veon Bell Antonio Brown Ben Roethlisberger the three most selfish people at their position in the NFL you might say Daryl you're being crazy am I Ben Roethlisberger, who's a more selfish quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger? What quarterback calls out their teammates and head coaches more consistently than Big Ben? I'll wait. Tom Brady doesn't do that. Drew Brees doesn't do that. Patrick Mahomes doesn't do that. Aaron Rodgers sometimes does that, but not as much as Big Ben. Who's the most selfish wide receiver in the NFL? Antonio Brown. Who are those temper tantrums on the field? Only Odell Beckham. But who else decides to not come to practice? Antonio Brown, Otto Beckham comes to practice. Who's running around doing whatever he wants to? Who's having domestic violence allegations? Who's commenting on the fact that their quarterback had rape allegations and is liking a comment saying their quarterback's a rapist? Antonio Brown, that cuts deep. That's what hurts the team. Le'Veon Bell, who's holding out for more money? Ezekiel Elliott isn't doing that. Todd Gurley isn't doing that. Kareem Hunt isn't doing that. You see, when we look at the totality of the Pittsburgh Steelers, they are a bunch of individuals. They are a bunch of talented individuals. And that's why they fail at a sport as team-oriented as football. Sacrificing yourself for the greater good of the team. Receiver could not catch a pass the whole game but he springs his teammate open and they catch 10 balls. Defensive lineman could not get a sack an entire game. but the other guy on the D-line, they get three sacks. All that other guy that got zero sacks did was took double teams all day long. Defensive lineman could not get a stat the whole game, but guess what? Linebackers gets 20 tackles because the defensive lineman is eating up offensive linemen and occupying blockers. Offensive lineman don't get a stat the whole game. Nobody rewards them. Quarterback pats him on the butt and says, "Yeah, I can't do this without you guys." That's a real team. Why well, think the New England Patriots have won six Super Bowls since two thousand and one? And they haven't had the most talented team. Tom Brady's the most talented quarterback. Julian Edelman is the most talented receiver. Hell, James White—he's not even a running back. He's a receiver masquerading as a running back. All he does is catch a little five-yard passes out the backfield. That's all he does. But why do they succeed? Discipline. Teamwork. They work together. They don't point fingers. They get along. It's not fun in New England necessarily. And everybody loves Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick isn't everybody's favorite person in the world. Bill Belichick isn't everybody's cup of tea. But you want to know what? Everybody respects him. Everybody works under him. Everybody's discipline in New England They're selfless. It's about the team. It's about we, not me. Maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers could learn from that. Okay, now it's time for crazy, lazy, or maybe. Steven Jackson rips spoiled NBA players who don't have a love for the game. As modern NBA players seem to become more empowered with each passing day, former players like Steven Jackson are taking exception to the current state of the league. I love the fact that players have control of where they want to play, Jackson said Thursday, according to ESPN's Nick Friedle. But at the same time, guys gotta be professional too. I will be the first to say these guys these days, they're spoiled. A lot of them are spoiled. And I was talking to a Hall of Fame football coach and he said, One thing he sees about basketball from the outside looking in, more players today are interested in what the game can do for them. They don't actually love the game like we did. I'm 41 years old and I still play the game every day and I can see that the love for the game is not there, but I'm happy that we had a hand and for for these kids to be able to get the money that they're making. Maybe Steven Jackson has a point. A lot of people, honestly, and I'll tell you the truth about this. People might not like this. A lot of people play sports because they are good at it. I've known people all throughout my athletic career, no matter what sport it was through youth, that played sports because either their dad made them do it, their mom made them do it, or they were just really freaking good at it. Like, that's why they did it. And that can take care of the professionals. There are a lot of people that don't like the grind. They don't, they don't like doing it. They like the money. They like the women. They like what it can do for them. I mean, and th- that's the way it is a lot of times, especially now with social media, et cetera, et cetera, building your brand. Mike D'Antoni calls James Harden critics absurd amid historic scoring streak. Prior to the Rockets game against the Los Angeles Lakers on Thursday night, Houston and coach Mike D'Antoni defended Harden and comments made to ESPN's Tim McMinneman. D'Antoni said in part, first of all, I don't listen to it because it's absurd. He's doing what we need to do to try to get a good seating. I mean, I could go on for days. It doesn't make any sense. We're the second-best offensive team in the league. His efficiency is off the charts. He's playing better this year than he did last year when he was the MVP. Lazy. Mike D'Antoni has a point. If he's talking about the the way James Harden's playing on the offensive side of the ball, it's the the best we've seen since it's it's reaching, like I've said this many times on the show, James Harden is reaching Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan levels in terms of offensive ability. Even Steph Curry 2016, when Steph Curry won the So like James Harden's playing an all-time level on the opposite side of the ball. But if we're talking about aesthetically pleasing, if it's fun to watch, if it's enjoyable to watch, watching James Harden playing basketball is not it. It's not it. It's not that enjoyable. In fact, it's annoying watching James Harden manipulate the game with reps and just dribble, 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 especially in a league now that is sharing the ball, three point spread, pick, and roll offense. Case Keenum, definitely shocked, disappointed by Broncos trade for Joe Flacco. Denver Broncos quarterback Case Keenum said he was definitely shocked to hear the team is set to acquire fellow quarterback Joe Flacco in a trade with the Baltimore Ravens when the NFL's new league year begins on March 13th. Keenum said during an appearance on Sports Spectrum podcast that he received a call from Broncos general manager John Elway to inform him of the news. I was definitely shocked. It was a surprise for us, and I think probably for the first day or so, it kind of was. But for us, we're definitely disappointed. It's not something we wanted to happen. I know that everybody's doing their job, and John feels like that was a chance for him to help the Broncos out. Crazy! Why are you going to be disappointed, man? Case Keenum, you played average. And they're bringing in a Super Bowl MVP, somebody that got some jewelry, some hardware. Why are you disappointed, Case? Case, if you play better, if you play like you did in Minnesota, we wouldn't be in this issue, bruh. You can fix this issue. You just got to play better. Patriots News. Stephen McCourty announced he will return for the 2019 season. The familial bond caused him to consider retiring when asked about his future heading into the Super Bowl. I don't know for sure, McCourty said, of retiring in January per Ryan Hannibal of WEEI.com. I do look at it. If we can win this game, win it, with, win it with my brother, I don't know what else I could do that would top that. I'm just trying to make sure I enjoy this season and enjoy these last couple of days with these guys. Well, obviously, this was what uh, Jason McCourty, uh Devin McCordy did. Said, "Excuse me," said, "Prior to Super Bowl, you know, it'd be great to win with his brother." He said he might consider retirement. He's coming back. So obviously, this was a crazy. He's coming back. He has three Super Bowl rings, why not get a fourth, why not be greedy, one of the best safeties in the NFL, a great all-around football player, you get to still play with your brother in all likelihood, you know, keep keep adding that hardware, Devin, win four rings, NBA proposes lowering eligibility draft age to 18 after Zion Williams knee injury, the NBA has reportedly taken its first step toward again allowing players to enter the draft out of high school. According to Jeff Ziegler of USA Today, the league has submitted a proposal to the National Basketball Players Association to lower the draft-eligible age from 19 years old to 18. While the timing is reportedly coincidental, the news comes one day after projected number one draft pick Zion Williams suffered a knee sprain during Duke's game against North Carolina on Wednesday night. maybe this is what needs to happen. Allow players to come in at 18. If a talent as great as Zion wants to go to college, he can go to college. But if a talent as great as Zion wants to go to the NBA, let him go to the NBA. Let him monetize himself. And we don't have this controversy now of whether Zion Williams should play. And that's it for Crazy, Lazy, or Maybe. Okay, going up next, I have to break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We going to talk a little bit about the Lakers win. This means for LeBron. Is LeBron still the best player in the NBA? We'll explain all that and much, much more. Cut him next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. With barbershop sports talk, now as we are getting close to the end of the show. Uh, LeBron James won. LeBron James Los Angeles Lakers beat James Harden in the Houston Rockets. It's actually a couple nights ago. And uh, my opinion on it: LeBron because LeBron City's interim playoff mode. LeBron had another very good game. Uh, looks like he's getting a bit more into game shape. Lonzo Ball hasn't come back, so I think that actually helps Lakers' chances. But, but but here's the thing, right? And I talked about this a little bit with John. Uh, it's a lose-lose for the Lakers. They can either miss the playoffs or they get the eighth seed in all likelihood, and that means they get sh- sh- shmacked. Let me say that again. It means they get shmacked. You, you, you know you know when you were a kid and you got couple punishment? Yeah, I got my butt whooped a couple times. My grandmother used to get the switch. And this is what it sounds like. It sounds like, come on, don't talk fresh to me. Beat that behind up. Tell your butt up, Dale. Keep talking. Yeah, that's what's going to happen if the Los Angeles Lakers play the Golden State Warriors. Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, Steph Curry. They will make sure to put a whooping on the Los Angeles Lakers. Kevin Durant going to be like the Brandon Ingram. I'm the real Slim Shady. Steph Curry going to be like, I'm the real light-skinned point guard out here. Clay Thompson going to be the Kyle Kuzma. I'm the other real light-skinned shooter out here. And Draymond just going to be like, LeBron, you you you, you know what? That, that's what I said to you <laughs> So it will not be good, and Steve Curry is going to be like Luke. I taught you everything you know, everything. Don't try to bring that weakish over me here, over here with me. So, so I think it will be difficult for the Lakers. Uh, nice start though, beating the Houston Rockets. I think this will also be a tall tale from to the rest of the season to the Lakers losing the playoffs, because they will eventually lose. They're not going to win the championship, but it will be interesting to tell: Is LeBron James still the best player in the NBA? Now, let me explain. You cannot be the best player in the NBA and lose in the first round or not make the playoffs. You have to make that winning difference. That's why I said last year that Giannis was not yet a top five player. That's why I said last year I'd rather have a Kyrie Irving over Giannis Kumpo because Kyrie Irving is clutch. Kyrie Irving can be that offensive player late-in-game situations. Giannis could not. Giannis lost to the Boston Celtics with Terry scary rogier Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown without a superstar. That's why at that point in time last year I did not consider Giannis a top five player, even though his stats were amazing. LeBron James, his stats are amazing. He can pass, rebound, play defense, uh drive to the paint. He can shoot a little bit. LeBron James can do a lot of everything. LeBron James can do all and anything. But right now, LeBron James has needs to do a show that he can still carry a team. Carry the team with Larry Hughes as their best player to the NBA Finals. Carried the team with Kevin Love and J.R. Smith to the NBA Finals against go and stay worse. And honestly, almost should have won that game one last year. Cleveland fans know what I'm talking about. Cleveland fans know what I'm talking about because JR messed it up. But my dad calls it, you know, I pulled the JR when I brain <laughs> That's what my dad says. I pulled the JR, Daryl. I pulled the JR. But, uh, yeah, so that's going to be the, the tall tale if LeBron James is still the best player in the NBA. We will find out. Because right now, he loses again, head to head. For another straight year, to Kevin Durant and gets torched by Kevin Durant. I can't consider LeBron the best player in the NBA because I'm looking with the Greek freak, what Giannis Antetokounmpo is doing in the East. Chris Middleton's second best player. Chris Middleton's no superstar. Chris Middleton's not a top twenty five player in the NBA. He might be a top thirty player in the NBA. And Giannis is the best record in the league. Has the best record in the East. Giannis is balling, Giannis having 25, 27 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, shooting 50% from the field, and is getting to the paint at is being a dominating force that we haven't seen in the paint since Shaquille O'Neal, Giannis is extraordinary, Kawhi Leonard's been amazing, so I can't, and Paul George is having an MVP candidate too, having NBA worthy season, and we we see what James Harden's doing on the offensive side of the, the ball, carrying his team, to a higher seating so lebron has to get the job done that's my challenge to lebron james that's my take on lebron james now as we assume we'll be entering the second hour barbershop sports talk the the first hour which was on wjcu only and the podcast you can re-listen to this on soundcloud uh apple itunes uh spotify stitcher uh of forms of forms uh but coming up in the second hour, we're going to be in WCET FM Radio Network on Late Night in the Midlands. Now, when you're hearing this, because on the WJCU version, this is at 7.30 in the morning to 8.30. If you want to catch me, listen, the second hour, Late Night in the Midlands, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. That will be the second hour. Two-hour show, 12 to 1, 1 to 2. Catch me at the 1 p.m. Eastern Time, and you can hear the second hour. We're going to have Shaquan Bailey on Talk MMA. Con McGregor called out GSP George St. Pierre as George St. Pierre is trying to retire. You're going to want to hear Shaq's take on that. Not to mention I'm going to tell you why the Golden State Warriors could potentially have something to worry about this year. When that champion, when that fourth straight championship, excuse me, third straight championship might not be that easy. I will explain all that and much, much more. Click up next. That's the break on Barber Shop Sports Talk. Second out, WCT FM Radio Network, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Late Night in the Midlands. Remember, catch me. Daryl Lane, out.